Get ready for a one-of-a-kind experience. Welcome, welcome to the Starter Zone, your home for the weekly news from around the world. Your host for this journey, Amanda. Well, you know, milk does the body good. She's going to bring you everything you need to hear about entertainment, gaming, and maybe just a little bit bizarre. Hold tight, because here she comes. Thank you, Raven, for that warm, warm welcome. Hello, my friends, and good day to you all. Welcome to the Starter Zone. I am your guide, Amanda, and it is time to bring you the headlines from all of the entertainment news sources. Today is August the 4th, and here are some of the stories we will be looking at today. We've got a few sad announcements coming from the entertainment world, some bad behavior on stage that may have some consequences, more news about the SAG after strike, box office breakdown, and more. Get comfy, everybody, and let's get started. and start off today's show with the really rough news. Let's go ahead and get it all out of the way. The last couple of weeks have really just been filled with, it seems like one announcement after another of people that were losing in the entertainment sphere. A few weeks ago, we lost the great Tony Bennett. And this week, at the young age of 25, we have lost a, a wonderful budding actor in, by the name of Angus Cloud. Angus was at his family home in Oakland, California, and his family shared, it is with the heaviest heart that we had to say goodbye to an incredible human today. As an artist, a friend, a brother, and a son, Angus was special to all of us in so many ways. His loved one said Cloud had been mourning the recent death of his father. Last week, he buried his father, and according to his family, he was intensely struggling with the loss. They made a statement that the only comfort we have is knowing that Angus is now reunited with his father, who was his best friend. Angus was very open about his battle with mental health, and we hope that his passing can be a reminder to others that they're not alone and should not fight this on their own in silence. Angus was known for his drug dealer character on the hit show Euphoria, a character by the name of Fezco and was expected to star in Season 3. His character had survived a shooting at the end of Season 2. Euphoria was known as his breakout role, and he was very much a fan favorite. Our condolences will go out to his family and his friends for his untimely loss. Going back and listening to the song, and, and I listened to it quite a bit growing up, the lyrics really hit harder a, a little bit more right now. We were very sad to learn that last week the music world lost another iconic voice in Sinead O'Connor. She was 56. 
O'Connor's family issued a brief statement back on the evening of July the 26th announcing the death of the artist and activist who remained in the spotlight, often against her wishes, after topping the charts in 1990 with the single Nothing Compares to You. The Irish singer's death comes just 18 months after her 17-year-old son, Shane, passed away. O'Connor did have three other children. The singer struggled with her success after 1990, but she really helped to blaze a trail for other female artists with her willingness to speak what she believed to be the truth. She rejected conventional stardom really for most of her career, and honestly, some never forgave her for that iconic moment of her ripping up the picture of Pope John Paul II on Saturday Night Live back in 1992. I watched that scene when I was a lot younger, and as much as I didn't truly understand what was going on, I could tell it was a pretty powerful moment, and it really had huge repercussions for her. But she remained an Irish treasure, and the tributes have since poured in with bands such as the Foo Fighters alongside Alanis Morissette. She joined the band to perform O'Connor's 1987 single, Mandinka, while they were at the Fuji Rock Festival in Japan. Nothing compared to her voice and her range, and she as well is going to be truly missed. Most of you should recognize that iconic laugh as the one from Pee Wee Herman from Pee Wee's Playhouse. And this last announcement is a little more difficult to put into words because while all of these were unexpected passings, I don't know, this one really did hit the hardest. Paul Rubens, the actor and comedian beloved for his role as Pee Wee Herman, passed away on July the 31st following a private battle with cancer. He was 70. Rubens, as Pee-wee and his playhouse, would entertain millions, millions of children all around the world where they would learn about kindness and friendship and, you know, of course, the secret word of the day. (laughs) Today's secret word is end. (laughs) Rubens had generated a statement that was released shortly after his passing, and it was posted on his Instagram page. And it says, Please accept my apology for not going public with what I've been facing the last six years. I have always felt a huge amount of love and respect for my friends, my fans, and supporters. I have loved you all so much and enjoyed making art for you. End quote. Rubens added that any expressions of sympathy could be made in honor of his late parents, Judy and Milton Rubenfeld. Stand up cancer or organizations involved in dementia and Alzheimer's care, support, and research. But let's be honest, he was more than just Pee Wee Herman. I mean, Ruben starred in a number of other projects throughout his career, including the films The Blues Brothers, Cheech and Chong's next movie, Mystery Men, uh, the original Buffy the the Vampire Slayer movie, the one had um, Christy Swanson in it. Uh, he just he even played the Penguin's father, in Batman Returns, and he was so good at it for the short amount of time he was on screen, they actually brought him back 25 years later to star in a two-episode arc in the TV show Gotham. And if that doesn't scream, they love me, I don't really know what will. Now, okay, let's go ahead and address the elephant in the room. He was somewhat notorious after his 1991 arrest 
for indecent exposure at an adult theater in Sarasota, Florida. He ended up pleading no contest. He was fined and he was sentenced to community service, time served. But that didn't stop Rubens from continuing to be a beloved friend and a style icon, apparently. High-end fashion houses started replicating the peewee suit for their clientele in the late 1990s. I mean, who knew that tightly cut suits with the high armholes and short trousers would be at the high end of fashion? Truly, who knew? But, I mean, truly and sadly, Paul Rubens' passing means that Pee-wee's greatest adventure has come to an end. <laughs> Yay, we found the secret word, everybody. That's fantastic. Um, so the character of Pee-wee, he, he just made such a mark on the lives of, of kids everywhere. He, Raven, we, we were talking about this impact when we were doing the show prep for this episode and i know you said you were a a very big fan of the peewee character um i want to give you a chance would you like to say something thank you i was a big playhouse fan when i was young i, I don't know i enjoy peewee but there's a lot people could say about paul rubens and i appreciate you letting me out but the only thing i really want to say is mecca lecca ha mecca honey ho that and I've always wanted to end. Ah. <laughs> I've waited years for that. Absolutely classic, Raven. I don't know that I could have said it better myself. I would definitely want to extend condolences to Mr. Rubin's family and his friends. He is definitely going to be missed. I mean, I've been seeing so many tributes and so many memories floating through social media. And I actually came across a picture this morning before I was getting ready um, to to record this episode of the iconic green dinosaur that was in Pee-wee's Adventures. Big, huge green T-Rex. Someone has taken it upon themselves to give him a little bit of a makeover, and I will drop the link in the comments so you can see the picture because it's fantastic. They've repainted the body of the dinosaur to replicate Pee-wee's suit. So it's like the, the lightish gray with the tie and everything and it just it looks beautiful it looks fantastic and i can't think of a, a better tribute at this point so on that note definitely condolences to his family but rest in peace mr rubens you gave us a bunch of laughs for many years and hopefully for many years to come as we start to introduce the next generation to the awesomeness that was Wee's playhouse Not all is well in the galaxy far, far away. It was recently announced that actor Donald Glover and his brother Steven would be the writers on the upcoming Star Wars TV show Lando. Well, fans will recall that Donald played the titular character of Lando Calrissian in the standalone Star Wars movie Solo back in 2018. A spin-off TV series for Lando was announced back in 2020, but little has been heard since. It seems at the time Disney decided to focus more on The Mandalorian, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and The Book of Boba Fett. This is the way. And at the time, it did absolutely seem like this was the way to go. Although Lucasfilms has yet to confirm whether Donald Glover will return to the role of Lando, it does seem kind of like a given with him co-writing the show, and it'd be kind of weird otherwise. Earlier this year, Glover confirmed that he and Disney were in talks for his return. 
which is great news for Glover and great news for the fans of the movie Solo. So what's the problem? Well, the original writer and the showrunner, Justin Simeon, well, he apparently wasn't told he was being replaced, and he only found out thanks to social media. This deal is getting worse all the time. Yeah, it definitely seems that way. Well, during an Instagram stories post, Simeon responded to the article confirming the Glover brothers taking over. He said, quote, this is me finding out right now. Donald is a national treasure, and I'm glad that he and Steven get to carry the character forward this way. Can't wait to see. Wait, what? I mean, I'm sorry. In my opinion, that's not the best way to find out. Fans seemed pretty happy with Simeon's storyline and the character development for Lando, but Disney and Lucasfilms are being pretty tight-lipped about the reasons for this decision. But for now, we're back to the waiting game because despite this news, the project is currently back on the back burner again because of the ongoing Writers Guild of America strikes. Let's pray they don't alter the deal any further or we will never see Lando alive again. <laughs> oh, wait, sorry, wrong studio. I forgot, this isn't Warner Brothers. So I know I just talked about Nicki Minaj in my last episode where it was announced that she would become Call of Duty's first named female operative. Is the public now trying to give her a taste of real danger? Well, this just in. Nicki Minaj was swatted in an apparent prank for the third time this year. Third time. This past weekend, police showed up to Minaj's Los Angeles home in what's being called a swatting prank, one that's commonly used against gamers and live streamers. The San Fernando Valley Police Department County Sheriff's deputies arrived at Minaj's $19.5 million farmhouse with lights and sirens blaring back on July the 29th. Law enforcement explained that a person dialed 911 claiming someone had been shot at her house, leading police to rush to the scene. But when the police department arrived and saw no shooting victims, they deemed it a prank call. Minaj wasn't happy to see the deputies again, especially since this is the third time this has happened to her just this year alone. Wait, what is that? No, 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 no. This is not a call for trip number four. Y'all put the radios down. Wow. Okay. Sheesh. Thank, thank you for that. Um, so back in June, TMZ reported that someone had called the cops on Minaj and claimed that her child was being abused. But 24 hours later, police received another 911 call that alleged that the Barbie World rapper's house was on fire. Police deemed both instances were swatting pranks, and at the time, Minaj said she's hired lawyers to make sure that those responsible were exposed and held accountable. Good for her. These pranks can be insane. Who did she tick off? Look, for basic background, by the way, swatting is a very dangerous form of pranking that started in the early 2000s, and it really rose to prominence about, I'd say, about the mid-2010s with the internet boom. And it involves someone calling the police, typically on a live streamer, with the goal of getting a large police response to show up at a particular person's address. A variety of live streamers have been subjected to this form of online harassment. But not only does this dangerous prank waste police resources and time, in some cases, it's even resulted in an unfortunate loss of life. 
It's also a criminal offense with folks who engage in this prank potentially facing multiple years in prison, large fines, and any other applicable penalties. I personally hesitate to call these pranks. To me, they are more of a form of, of terrorism and ab- abuse of public resources. Pranks are supposed to be funny. Is it really funny if you're the only one laughing and other people are scared to death? Look, you want to prank someone? Send them a prepaid pizza. No one should get mad or hurt when it comes to pizza. Question. Uh, yeah? Do you like penicillin on your pizza? Okay. I stand slightly corrected. Thanks, boys. So Bungie just recently had a very big surprise. It has announced that the Bungie Foundation's fourth annual Bungie Day Giving Festival was a massive success. The latest charity campaign had a goal of $777,777 and ended up surpassing that by a pretty large margin, finishing with $1,008,722. And people say, I've got a big head. And to be honest, I'd be bragging about that too. People from 92 countries around the world donated as part of this year's Bungie Day Giving Festival, which ran for about two weeks and wrapped up back on July the 23rd. Funds raised for this year's Bungie Giving Day Festival will go to partner charities, including Make-A-Wish Alaska and Washington, Direct Relief and International Rescue Committee. The Bungie Foundation also works with the Yale Anti-Racist Character Creation Project and the It Gets Better Project. Bungie's three main charitable pillars include children's well-being, humanitarian aid, and inclusion, diversity, and equity. A number of voice actors and celebrities contributed to the campaign by raising awareness and sharing their time. Those included appearances by Nolan North, Danny Trejo, and Will Wheaton. But shut up, Wesley! No one asked your opinion, Picard. No one asked your opinion. You did a nice thing. That was not very nice of you. Uh, Bungie's next charity drive, Game to Give, will take place this November. And Bungie said fans can expect even more surprises at this event that will raise money for the Bungie Foundation. Well, the drama is continuing even after the SAG after strikes has started. And some talents have started to argue amongst themselves. And one of the most vocal has been Sarah Silverman. Our very own Vanellope Von Sweet has not been so sweet to her peers. Traitor. Sarah Silverman has slammed several of her Hollywood peers filming independent SAG-AFTRA cleared projects amid the strikes involving industry writers and actors. And though the SAG-AFTRA and the WGA strikes have halted almost all major studio productions as workers are seeking new contractual agreements in the era of streaming, 45 truly independent movies and TV shows starring talent like Anne Hathaway, Matthew McConaughey, Jenna Ortega, and Paul Rudd have been granted strike exemptions under the interim agreement, and Silverman is not happy about it at all. Back on July the 27th, she shared a three-minute clip and said, quote, I feel off and I know I just must not be understanding something. There are like 40 movies being made right now. 
movie stars are making movies because they're independent movies and SAG is allowing it because if they do sell it to streaming, it has to be because streaming is abiding by all the things we're asking for. And that's just working. The strike ends when they come to the table and we make a deal in agreement. So you're just letting people make movies and movie stars are making movies that you know the goal is to sell them to streaming. She went on to finish her tirade by noting that she doesn't know if she should be, quote, mad at these movie stars making these indie movies that are obviously going to streaming or angry with SAG for making this interim deal for these indie movies during the strike. Friend would never do what you did, never! So you leave me alone! Now, Yellow Jackets actress Juliette Lewis and new girl star Zooey Deschanel pushed back against Silverman's salty stance. Deschanel said, I think we are striking certain particular contractual agreements with the AMPTP, but not all work, unquote. Juliette Lewis added, also my brother, who is a laborer, I would love him to work on an independent production. A bunch of my friends in other states have had their unemployment checks run out, so if there's movie productions that are not going to streamers, I'm for it for my family and my crew. Now, following her rant, Silverman met with Fran Drescher, the president of the Screen Actors Guild, and the American Federation of Television and Radio Artists, and the union's lead negotiator, Duncan Crabtree Ireland, to discuss the logic behind the waivers. And while she acknowledged the other side of the argument, Silverman maintained her position and noted that while she's happy for the crew members who get the opportunity to work on these waived projects, she thinks a work stoppage is absolutely crucial for the actors. Well, tensions are definitely high right now, and I do understand both positions, but right now it just sounds like they're all just going to agree to disagree. You're a rat! They're kind of pissed about this. Good. Concert goers and audiences have started to get just a little bit out of hand lately, and I don't know what's causing it. From throwing human remains in the form of ashes onto the stage, and I think that one took place at a pink concert, to cell phones, bras, drinks. Well, Cardi B is now the latest singer to have something thrown at her during a live show, but with one key difference. The I Like It singer decided to fight back. Well, during her outdoor set at Dre's Beach Club in Las Vegas on July the 29th, she got a drink tossed in her face and retaliated by throwing her microphone at the offending concert goer, because that's always a good decision. The rapper was in the middle of performing her hit, Bodak Yellow, when a fan raised their cup to propel the drink in her direction. The video shows a visibly startled Cardi locating the culprit, before chucking the microphone in their direction. Videos shared by fellow attendees confirmed that the microphone did in fact make contact. Well, several security guards had to step in to intervene, and they seemingly ushered the person away from the stage while Cardi was yelling at them. Meanwhile, the song, and vocals included, continued playing over the speakers, and eventually, Cardi's microphone was returned and she continued her set, Millie Vanilli style. And yes, you know it's true that this tense moment has been circulating on social media everywhere, along with other clips of the performance. They had multiple views on what she actually did. 
Well, on Sunday, the fan filed a police report for battery. But it turns out that this was only just one part of Cardi's wild weekend in Vegas. More footage has emerged of her losing her cool in a pretty similar fashion during a separate performance in the Sin City. A video uploaded by TikTok user KFEN777 showed the invasion of privacy hitmaker angrily throwing her microphone again at her DJ during a set at Dre's nightclub on Friday, the, July the 28th. McCarty can be seen performing her 2018 hit, I Like It, inside this hot spot, and when the song finishes, she yells out her name before suddenly turning around and launching the microphone at the DJ booth. Say my name! Say my name! So as she goes to walk off the stage, she can be seen pointing and mouthing something at the DJ, who just doesn't react and keeps the set moving by playing her new single, Jealousy, that she recorded with her husband, Offset. It's really unclear what set Cardi off, but fans speculated that it was because the DJ kept cutting the music during her performance. Is that Cardi B enough on the Bronx? Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And as a quick follow-up to the story, it was reported that despite everything, Cardi B will not be charged with battery as a result of the throwing of the microphone to the fan at that concert. So, looks like she's a little off the hook. Lizzo, the Grammy-winning pop star who has touted herself as a champion of body positivity, is now being sued by three of her former backup dancers for what they describe as weight-shaming, racial discrimination, and creating a hostile work environment. The suit, filed in Los Angeles Superior Court, outlines allegations against Melissa Vivian Jefferson, a.k.a. Lizzo, her production company Big Girl Big Touring Incorporated, and her dance team captain, Shirlene Quigley. The dancers are alleging sexual harassment, religious and racial harassment, false imprisonment, interference with prospective economic advantage, and more. Oh, wow. The stunning nature of how Lizzo and her management team treated their performance seems to go against everything Lizzo stands for publicly, while privately she's weight-shaming her dancers and is demeaning them in ways that are not only illegal, but absolutely demoralizing. This is coming from a statement provided to Entertainment Weekly by Ron Zambrano, an attorney for the plaintiffs. Among the many allegations, the suit accuses Lizzo of calling attention to a dancer's weight after an appearance at the South by Southwest Music Festival and subjecting the group to a, quote, excruciating audition after falsely accusing them of drinking on the job. Lizzo has long been considered an icon of inclusivity, encouraging fans to accept and love their bodies through her music and her activism. Just last year, she launched a reality competition series called Watch Out for the Big Girls, in which she coaches a cast of dancers who compete to join her official backing squad. Ariana Davis, who is a former contestant of the series, alleges in the suit that Lizzo pressured her to touch a nude dancer at a strip club while they were in Amsterdam. Davis claims that when she declined to touch a woman's nude chest, Lizzo began a chant that grew louder and more and just louder, demanding a visibly uncomfortable Miss Davis to engage with the performer. You know, kind of like this. 
Jerry, Jerry, indeed. She also claims that the singer later told her that she was, quote, less committed to her role, a remark that the suit characterizes as a thinly veiled comment on Davis's weight. The complaint also states that contestants were told that they would be required to participate in a nude photo shoot, which completely distressed Miss Davis, who feared she would be sent home if she refused. Two of the three dancers in the suit were fired, and Lizzo allegedly told her dance cast during a meeting that she had eyes and ears everywhere, referring to a recording that Davis had made of a meeting. Uh-oh. Well, the dancers are seeking damages that cover emotional distress, including unpaid wages, loss of earnings, and attorney fees. These are truly shocking allegations. And, you know, you just never want something like this to be true. But the whole world is watching Lizzo now. So, apparently, Nintendo is now planning to release its much-desired follow-up to the Nintendo Switch in the second half of 2024. Sources aware of the Zelda publisher's next-gen console said that it would be portable, just like the Switch, and most of the details, though, are very snugly held under wraps. Nintendo itself has been exceedingly coy about the future of its hardware, often bowing out of specifics when asked. Now, earlier this summer, for example, when investors asked if the Switch, which came out in 2017, was approaching its end of life, President Shintaro Furukawa focused on the longevity of its software instead of suggesting it would ever be replaced by a different console. You can't handle the truth! Yep, sometimes kind of feels that way, doesn't it? But despite selling over 125 million units, the Switch install base has slowed its growth over the last 12 months. And the hardware has struggled to keep up with some of the newer big releases like Xenoblade Chronicles 3 and Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. Though the 2023 release of The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom showed the current Switch can still deliver a Game of the Year worthy blockbuster with its beautiful visuals and great performance. Nintendo previously said during a May earnings call that the company wasn't planning any significant new hardware refreshes before the end of the fiscal year of 2023 in April of 2024. Now, based on the details given, this next round of next-gen Nintendo rumors seems to be pretty different than what fans had been anticipating up until now. In 2021, Bloomberg reported that Nintendo had already created a 4K Switch Pro development kit and had passed them out to certain developers, and Nintendo came and publicly declared that these claims were false, so we don't know the truth. But whatever Nintendo is working on, you probably won't get it this year. I'm sorry to say. Well, we're waiting. Yep, we certainly are waiting. It's time for the box office breakdown. We had some new releases this weekend, and we had some sophomoric efforts, but who took the top spot at the box office? Well, it's become pretty clear that it's a Barbenheimer world, and we're just living in it. The collective force of Barbie and Oppenheimer continue to rule the box office in their second weekends of release, 
providing another needed jolt as two, two Hollywood strikes have threatened this fragile exhibition industry. Well, Greta Gerwig's cotton candy colored fantasy comedy again led the way, adding a massive $93 million between Friday and Sunday. Ticket sales for Barbie declined just 43% from its debut and resulted in the seventh biggest second weekend in history. Whereas Christopher Nolan's dark history drama also had a pretty stellar sophomore outing. It took in a mighty $46 million over the weekend, and according to Universal, it became the first R-rated film to gross more than $10 million for 10 days in a row. After two weeks on the screen, Barbie has generated a total of $351 million in North America, and it's currently the fourth biggest domestic release of the year. Oppenheimer, meanwhile, has earned about $174 million at the domestic box office and $400 at the global box office. Two new movies, Disney's remake of Haunted Mansion and A24's violent thriller Talk to Me, attempted to entice audiences in the wake of Barbenheimer and had varied results. But, of course, look, nobody could predict how dominant these two movies were going to be when the release dates were set. Welcome, foolish mortals, to the Haunted Mansion. Disney's new release, Haunted Mansion, did debut in third place with $24 million. Domestically, it's not a great result, and it probably didn't help that this Halloween-esque movie opened in July. I mean, look, a family moving into a haunted mansion. I think it really would have done well around Halloween, but look, I'm not a movie executive by any stretch, so, you know, what do I know? The low-budget Talk to Me generated a healthy $10 million, which for an independent project is a pretty excellent start. That was number six. But rounding out the top five, Sound of Freedom came back in at number four. It's in its fifth week of release. Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 came in at number five. And now, for something different. Weird and offbeat news lovers unite for I Have Stories For You. A woman has miraculously survived a crocodile attack that lasted for 90 minutes, 90 minutes, before she was hauled to safety. As the lady approached to scoop up water, the reptile leapt up and dragged her into this creek. She is a palm oil uh, plantation worker, and she was going for, for water for relief in the heat, and she just walked on up there and Poop, here he comes. I mean, where's the Crocodile Dundee when you need him? Michael J. Crocodile Dundee. A little bit late there, man. A little bit late. Locals said that the crocodile had hold of the terrified lady by the name of Falmira for about 90 minutes as it was just toying with her. And her colleagues were just too afraid to venture into the water in case the crocodile came after them. Help arrived at the remote location and they eventually managed to grab Falmira and haul her out of the swamp. She was rushed to the hospital with severe injuries on her limb. Amazingly, she's still alive. Local media has reported that Falmira is recovering in intensive care at the local hospital. Doctors are monitoring her condition because they're fearing the severe bites might lead to infections. But bless her heart, I hope she heals well because it's a miracle she held on as as long as she did. But I do wonder, did the crocodile say, see you later, 
or after wine. Our next story is utterly ridiculous and legend, wait for it, dairy. Don't have a cow, man. Okay, well, I mean, it is a story about part of a cow, I guess. A Canadian real estate agent has been slapped with a $15,000 fine after home surveillance footage captured him going into a client's fridge between showings and laying his lips on the family's milk container for that refreshing sip of sweet, sweet vitamin D. A realtor by the name of Mike Rose had been waiting for a potential buyer at the client's home in Kamloops, British Columbia back on July 16th of 2022 when he began poking around the seller's fridge. Setting his sights on the family milk jug, he grabs it and takes a sip straight from the container before placing it back, believing no one would suspect the lactose lawlessness. Unbeknownst to Rose, the seller actually had a ring camera set up for her children in the living room, which caught him in the gross act. Seller Liska Fullerton was left utterly speechless, in shock, and creeped out. I'm guessing she was not amused. Every part of it was just such an invasion of privacy, she said, and such an invasion of our home. And to make matters worse, Fullerton shared her camera also caught Rose inadvertently breaking the arm of her couch when sitting down on it on another occasion. The seller did say that she confronted Rose after another viewing two days later and asked him if he wished to share anything with her about the previous visit. And eventually, he did. But following the bare-bones confession, Fullerton submitted the footage to the British Columbia Financial Services Authority, which is an arm of the Canadian government that overlooks and regulates the Canadian province's financial institutions, which includes realtors. Fullerton told the outlet, in what world do you think that this is ever okay to do? I wouldn't even do that in my own family's home. Rose's actions were described as unbecoming by the authority, which fined the realtor 20000 Canadian dollars, approximately 15000 American, according to the order. He's also being forced to pay almost $1,800 in enforcement expenses, with both fines needing to be paid within six months. Holy cow. Rose was also immediately fired by Fullerton following her confrontation with him. Rose called his actions a very unfortunate and very uncharacteristic decision in a statement back in July of 2022, sharing that he's never done this kind of thing before. I find that hard to believe. Rose was also suspended until further investigation from his position at Royal LePage Kamloops Realty the real estate agency shared in a statement with the outlet, but it's unclear if Rose was ever reinstated. The milk fiasco fortunately didn't cause any issues with Fullerton selling the home, and she has since moved out. And just for a point of reference, a study that was done at Clemson University back in 2009 showed that milk drunk directly from a container has eight times the number of bacteria floating in it versus milk poured into a cup. I think the milk's a little sour. Also, milk drunk straight from the container will spoil faster. That is just so gross. I would absolutely have a beef with this guy over that. Not a cowabunga move, man. So today we had some thrown microphones, a couple of swatting attempts, a lawsuit, 
more Barbie, crocodiles, and Pee-wee coming to an end. <laughs> well, couldn't resist one more secret word. Thank you guys so much for joining me today. I do want to remind you that I do include the links to all of my sources in the comments so you can see what I see and more. But don't forget to drop a comment or send us an email if there's a story you just want us to cover. Join us next time as we check out the latest in entertainment news. Remember, stay comfy in the starter zone. This is Amanda. Good luck and have fun. Listening to The Starter Zone with Amanda. I am Raven. We thank you for your time and support. Without you, we simply would not be. Please hit that like and subscribe button and visit us on Facebook and Twitter at The Starter Zone. Have we missed something? Have something to say? Leave us a comment or send us audio clips for your chance to be on the show. We invite you to come back for more exciting news and commentary on the world around you. See you next time in The Starter Zone.